Welcome to podcast 194 of Five Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt, and on this week's pod, I'm joined by Dave, Dupe, and Matt. How's it going, gents? Very well, Matt. Good evening. Good. Yeah, absolutely spot on, mate. Good to see absolutely you back, Matt. Well. Yeah, brand Good new information. You Missed you. Missed me, apparently. Anyway, uh, today we are, we'll be checking in on things in France as Paul's Don't Look Back in Angers save uh, came to a dramatic end this week. We'll also be discussing the striker role in Football Manager with a particular focus on how the modern day in real life striker has evolved over the years or disappeared in some cases, as well as what we feel are the more effective striker roles in Football Manager. So, over to our safe focus, let's start with Manifem seeing as things have come to a halt at Angers. Tell us more. I love the pronunciation, Matt. Can you just say it one more time? Because not many people get it right. Uh, Ligue 1 or Angers. Angers. That's now on my soundboard. Ah, I have a French GCSE. It doesn't Weird flex, like but okay. <laughs> it's a bit late to tell me that oh, now. No. We're at the end of the save, Matt. It's no good to me. <laughs> um, yeah, look. The only, the, to be fair, like to completely go off on it, it's not quite a tangent. The only word I can remember how to pronounce or how to what to say and what it actually means, other than the usual bonjour, etc., is uh, uh, ticket office. Why? Why is it? Which, <laughs> it's guiche. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there you go. Random, but that's pretty much it. So, yes, save, Angers. Um, it kind of. It came to an end a little bit unexpectedly um, for me. I suppose I wasn't really, I hadn't really decided when I was going to end it. Um, so we've come into season nine and made a couple of good signings, brought in a new gen who's kind of like an inside forward on the left, really quality player, like um, got him in for about, oh, I can't even remember now, maybe about 25, 30 million. And then we brought in a Turkish guy called Omer Biez, uh, who's a real life player. Um, he's just in, uh, he's just moved to Wolfsburg, I think. Um, but I've seen him in quite a few FM saves in people's um, series. And, you know, cracking midfielder, he rocked up like 14 assists in the season. Um, but I suppose with those two signings, it was like the first time the squad for me was like fully rounded. And it was the first time we had like a first 11 and a backup 11 in, in, in the whole nine seasons. And it just started to click. And <laughs> it never has really before up to now. Um, we kind of rocked out one seven out of the first eight games. Um, and just, just started winning winning games that we should be winning and, and not doing stupid things like we've been doing for the eight seasons before that. Um, and that was going great until we came to the Champions League uh, group draw. Because we finished, I think we finished fourth last season and got in. And we got Barcelona and we got Man City in the same group and Zenit, um, who are probably the same level as us, really. Um, so that, you know, I mean, Champions League was never really on the objective list. Uh, we managed to beat Barcelona in the group. But like, but lost to City twice, lost to Barca again, um, and didn't didn't get out of the group. Went back into the Europa League and got knocked out of that again, um, which is basically four seasons in a row now. Um, but then what happened? I guess what it, it just it, the save took a bit of a turn. And Duke, we talked about PSG a lot, um, you know, with our, with our saves. First time in nine seasons that you know, particularly in the latter half or the second half of the season, while we're winning games and racking up points. PSG started to bottle the shit out of it and it was absolutely amazing to see um, because they just like they just started dropping points all over the place um, and then suddenly we were kind of you know 1.2 points clear four points clear and when we came to the I think it was the third last game of the season we had a game to win the league which we drew 
Um, and then we won the league in the second last game of the season. Uh, and out of nowhere, we've won the we've we've won the league at Anche. And I was kind of in shock for her. I was like, what? I was kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Um, and then I kind of sat back, and the more I was thinking about it, I was looking at my objectives. I was getting a bit of deja vu in the save because it was it's just quite tricky every year messing around with PSG and Leon. And I was, you know, I was looking, I was kind of like, I've kind of done everything I wanted to do in this save. Um, short of a little stint at France, but I might tell you about that in a minute. It's weird, isn't it? PSG, I, I spoke to a few people that have done French saves, and my the PSG for me are always, I kind of liken them to Kelly Holmes. Sorry, Dame Kelly Holmes. Like, they, yeah, absolutely. Um, they they always seemed a bit terrible the first lap round. And then the second lap round is just when they just put their foot down and just and just push past. Um, did they did it ever look in danger, Matt? Or like, are you are you just like, as you said, they were just dropping points. They were bottling it um, and you were just kind of gliding away. It, um, <clears throat> it, it was really weird. Like it was they kind of had a bad January, a good February, a bad March. And, and that's where, like, while they were doing that, I was kind of consistent. So we went into, I think we came in at Christmas in second. Um, and, and with that, we just kind of slowly leapfrogged them out of nowhere. I wasn't really, you know, you're not really paying a huge amount of attention. It's, you know, after nine seasons, I've gotten so used to PSG being up there um, and me floating around third and keeping an eye on Leon that all of a sudden we've just kind of landed up the top and started to get a bit comfortable there. I think we got to um, about six games left. And we were probably, I think we were about four points clear. And then we lost to Toulouse at home 1-0. The irony. And now, and then I, yeah, yeah, nothing Toulouse. And then uh, I kind of was like, oh shit, the wheels are about to come off here. Um, But at the exact same time, PSG went and lost or or drew to to somebody kind of ridiculous. I can't even remember who it was now. Um, So it was kind of all right. So that, that was the shakiest moment, we'll say. Um, and then, yeah, like, as I said, we drew the game, the, the, the first game we had the opportunity to win the league, we drew it. Um, and then I was a little bit on edge, uh, cause the PSG had a much better goal difference. Um, because we, we just don't score a huge amount of goals. Um, but Jad then went into the second last game of the season against Leon, went one nil down Dave's mate, or is it Dave's, Dave's, Dave's sister's mate, Fabio Silva. Hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> Hello. Pod exclusive here. Come Pod on now. Uh, no, nothing <laughs> happened. Nothing happened. We should probably check that. Uh, but Dave's mate, Fabio Silva, scored for Leon uh, t- to put us 1-0 down. Um, and then we've turned it around and scored in the 89th. So we, we've equalised. And then in the 89th minute, we scored to win, to win the game and win the league. Um, and it was, it was banging. It was great. Did you ever think that you're actually going to do it though, Mad? Because there's been so many people. I think we spoke about it before. And we've seen people do videos on how powerful... PSG really are a football manager and there's always memes going around that PSG literally could just sign any young player or any player they want so were you ever like when you started the save obviously the goal was always going to be to league uh, to win the top division I'm not even going to pronounce the, the league I'll leave that to Matt but um, to, to win the division but you know did you ever think you were actually going to do it during the save it was never even on, on the agenda I never really expected to win the league because of how good PSG were I mean, I put a, a screenshot of their 11 that played against us um, in the last game against PSG we had in season nine. And they were missing like four players. They were missing like Jamal Musiala and Ryan Gravenberch and a couple other guys. And they still have this ridiculous um, first 11 against us. So it was never really um, planned. And what, what I wrote in the last episode when, I, when I've um, put up the blog post was, 
yes, we kind of won the league, but PSG lost it more than we won it. I, I think we, uh, I got the notification in the inbox that we won the league with the lowest points total um, in the history of the league. So that kind of tells a story in itself. Like we won with 86 points, um, which is apparently the lowest league to- uh, points total for the for league. League on, Dave. Um, so I, I feel like PSG lost the league and gave it to us a bit more than we won it, um, to be honest. Over at MLS, we, um, they've just signed Mukoko uh, at PSGF. And I, I literally, the minute I saw the signing go through, I went, oh, that's, that's so unfair. That is uh, so unfair. Um, I've, just but- signed, I've just signed him at Sporting. I've not used him yet. I got him on a pre-contract, Mukoko. Took advantage of the nice. glitch that seems to be in the database. So I'm looking forward to using him as well. He was ready to talk over coming to Philadelphia. That'd be mad, though. But um, literally got his head turned by every other fucker. Um, <laughs> so he's decided not to. But yeah, it's um, it, it's such a tough league. Did you think it's one of your toughest leagues you've managed in, man? I know that sounds a bit silly, but because of that absolute segregation between the top and, and, and then the rest. I think up to that point, definitely. I mean, like I was... I was um, nearly almost every season, like I think I mentioned it, Leon won the league once in the eight seasons before that and PSG won every other one. Um, and I only, like only in one of the seasons was I even close to coming second. But even at that, we fell away. Um, and, and every other season it was, you know, PSG, Leon, gap in terms of points and then we were kind of third, fourth. So um, definitely in terms of like the the money it's just the money and we keep saying it we go around in circles saying it but it's it's beyond a joke in terms of the gap of how much PSG spend in it but it's probably not that dissimilar to real life right somehow obviously in real life now Lille are top of the league and that would be amazing to see it's almost similar to what's happened in the save with Angers right if if Lille did win it but like PSG are going to come back next year probably spend 300 million 400 million they might get a couple of hundred million for Mbappe from Real Madrid and do it all over again so um i definitely say it was one of the toughest leagues to win the league. Not necessarily to get up there and get Champions League, but to, to win it for sure. Definitely one of the toughest I've been in. I feel for uh, a big victory. Seaman leaves Lille, goes to Napoli, and then uh, Lille win the league and uh, he doesn't get the trophy. Um, I've, Yeah, I have to admit with you, mate, Like, I know I've done a bit of time in France this year and I, I think I underestimated just that gap. Matt, I, I don't know if this is top secret, so you might have to bleep this out, but you know you did that 4,000 year or 1,000 year save? Uh, didn't mm-hmm. PSG win every single title? Uh, yeah, it was something ridiculous, so, uh, I mean, wasn't it? That 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 was on like a that was that's that was started on the first ver- like after post beta. Okay, it was on the first database, and there are I don't know how much credence you can take from it because I only simulated England, so obviously the the other nations are only sort of partially simmed. And also, there was some weird shit going on in that, where by like the the attend once you got past a hundred years, the attendances just started getting insane. Uh, Overpopulation. Even, well, I think the record was held by like Rangers, who and I can't. It wasn't. It wasn't at Ibrox, but it and it was only Champions League fixtures that seemed to be affected. The uh, like the the highest ever attendance was like one million five hundred. <laughs> Imagine that! Imagine that! <laughs> like, the, but so it was. The, I I actually reported it as a bug. Strangely enough, uh, no one responded to that. Imagine trying to so, park for that and try and get SI. out. 
Um, I mean, niche, admittedly, niche niche thing, but ultimately, um, it's a problem that could probably occur at any point, mm. and I would be concerned that it would reoccur. But that's a side side issue entirely. But yeah, PSG won every single league. Mad. That is mad, isn't it? Chiefs. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that top secret? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I didn't know if it was yeah. for a project, Matthew. That was all. I, I didn't want to kind of spoil shit. Um. So was it homegrown throughout then, Mad? Obviously, all the players signed homegrown, and if so, obviously, would you recommend that? Because obviously, it's a bit of a twist to put on the challenge if someone's looking to start a new save between now and the end of the FM cycle, or even in the future. Um, yeah, so like stayed homegrown throughout. Well, homegrown with a twist, and I'll get to that in a minute. Especially Matt was giving me some beef, I think, about two weeks ago about the the Irish approach to the homegrown challenge. Um, but it was like I, I, I have had a couple of guys on Twitter and, and, and on the blog and, and reaching out to me saying that they're, they're actually going to give a homegrown save um, a go because it's, it's just such a good challenge it's just really different it gives you kind of constraints which don't make the save too easy um, so the way we approached it was um, any player we signed had to be French first or second nationality second nationality being the, uh, the little bit of an additional bonus there um, like we we were able to pick up a couple of players. Obviously, there's a few players um, who might be like playing for the Ivory Coast or and teams like that that were eligible. Um, and then we picked up a couple of kind of I would say bonuses. Like um, I mentioned him before, Pierre Pierre Emile Hoiberg from Spurs. He's Danish, but um, in real life, his mother is French, so he's got a French passport. Um, and even um, even Bayez, the Turkish guy we picked up, he had played for six seasons uh, at Bordeaux in in the save. Um, and then he moved to Holland and then we bought him after a season there. So um, it helps, right, to give you that little extra bit of quality and a bit of a bump, considering you're competing cheap. with a team that can spend 400 million a season. You mean uh, cheap? It, to co- you mean to bend quote, the rules? To quote FM Dupe, you know, if it's in the game and it allows, you know, it allows you to do it, <laughs> then it's fine. Fair point. Well, then I agree, Matt. Yes. <laughs> I think it's it's a tough one to do. Um, to be honest, right? You got you got you got to bend the rules when you can, and you're David, and you're you're Pentagon and stuff. Rules are there to be broken, right, Dave? That that that's a that's something that Matt can bleep out there. <laughs> that that was a hidden one. Result is that the one? Hey. I was, anyway, moving on. Uh, Matt, <laughs> <laughs> obviously you're stuck in um, international management as well. Managed to get the France job. So how long did you stay in that job? Or were you still in that job t- until yeah. the end of uh, your career? That was one of the things that almost kind of, I think the timing of it maybe went, oh, this is probably a really nice way to round it off. Um, so basically, kind of randomly, we it, it, it was whatever the timing was, um, a good few other international jobs, you know, they, they tend to kind of sack a lot of managers at the same time, some of the international teams. So we had a few countries come in for us all at the same time. So I've opened up the inbox and it was like uh, Norway, I think, Poland, Turkey, Belgium, I think. And then France was just stuck there in the middle. And I was like, Okay, you know, one of the save objectives we had that we hadn't yet achieved was to get one of our players capped for France in a World Cup. Um, and this was just kind of like, you know, coming out of the 2029 season. So the World Cup is 2030. So I've, we've kind of accepted that job and resigned from Angers at the same time and gone straight into it. We kind of went, played pretty quick, flew through all the friendlies and, and kind of skipped through some of the months because international management, you know what I mean? There's a lot of spare time. Um, once I came to squad selection, 
you better believe there was a shitload of Angers players called up to the France squad. <laughs> yes. Uh, except for the ones that were Danish or, <laughs> or Turkish um, with, a sec- with the second nationality. Um, but I think we went to the World Cup. Um, we got into the World Cup. We actually drew Ireland in the qualifiers, um, which was a little, you know, it, it just plays on the mind. The, the memories of Thierry Henry and handballs and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, we don't want to mention that. That'll get me upset. Chief. Um <laughs> <laughs> the yeah playing, playing them was a little bit emotional and beating them and and causing them not to qualify was even worse um but then we've gone to the world cup um sure i might as well tell you um it was a new world cup format right so you've got three group teams um so you have like a shitload of three three team groups so we got senegal right. and iran in our group sure. so breeze through that um then we've uh, beaten australia and then we've beaten brazil um, really narrowly, it was like two one. Um, and we're at this point, we've got about five, four or five Andre players in the starting lineup. Um, with Amin Guri up top, who's still an absolute banging uh, centre forward. So you should be signing him if you haven't. And then we've um, then, then I think what I really enjoyed the most about it was we've got England in the quarter final. Now England in two thousand and thirty are being managed by Simon Grayson. What? Um, and that's that's oh what you love God. to see. Yeah. So Fuck Simon yeah. Grayson is managing uh, England. Um, <laughs> it was it was epic uh, in the World Cup quarterfinal in 2030. So if you're listening, Simon, future's bright, son. And um, we managed to actually, yeah, we'd managed to beat them. I think it was two or three one. I think we got a late goal to make it three one. So and for context, like England in 2030. I'm just looking at it here. Rashford is 33. Foden is 30, Declan Rice is 32, I think. So they're kind of the stalwarts. And then there's a lot of new gens floating around. Um, and then there's that guy, Tony Weston, Dave, that we spoke about. Um, yeah, that's a deep science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. deep. He's, he's, um, he's sitting on the bench. Um, but yeah, look, long story short, then we got uh, through that. Um, was that the quarter of the semifinal? Um, yeah, that was a quarterfinal. Got to Spain in the semifinal, 3-2, um, after being 2-1 down. And then... Came to play Germany in the final. Was very thankful um, that a certain fix was done so that the German players weren't just kind of completely unknown. Um, and uh, I suppose, long story short, we've won the World Cup with France with a shed load of Angers players in the squad. And at that, at that point, we've, we've hit the retire button, sat back in the chair and went, enough's enough. <laughs> Put your slippers um, out. There we go. Yeah. Cigar. Wake the kids. Oh, no, I don't have any kids. Wake someone's kids. <laughs> You might do. You never know. Yeah. Um, that's a great. That's a great achievement, man. Um, you, but halfway through that, you've kind of piqued my interest at a little tangent. So I do apologise. So I know on the network save, Joe was paying his defenders a lot of money for clean sheet bonuses, and he used to get get excited when he conceded because it would mean that he wouldn't have to pay like a million and a half out every every game. I mean, that's when you know you're good at the game when you get excited when you concede, right? Um, I, that makes me think. If you were the French manager and you were trying to encourage some of these young French lads to come, you could give them really high uh, international appearance bonus and then never pick them. Ah, okay. Because that's in the game and it allows you to do it as well. But, but it's, it's just... Won it all by cheating. But it's, it's very similar to the, the Germany method, right? So remember back in the day when you used to be able to give German players high international appearance fees that they'll never get knowing they'll never, never get. get picked it's exactly the same <laughs> but you've got full control of not picking them see i'm not just a pretty I guess, face I, I guess the only backlash you'll potentially get is 
if uh, they if like the media will get on your back suggesting that they should be getting picked and why they're not maybe like constantly being left out etc i actually um, i mean it's funny you mentioned it matt because the first i don't i don't think it was the world cups it might have been the world cup squad when we've announced it like i've brought theo zidane with me i've mentioned him on the pod before uh he's about 31 he might be 30 31 he's been a stalwart in midfield for us but would never have got picked if, if I wasn't the manager. And I've also brought our goalkeeper, who's not 33. Um, but the media quotation around my squad selection was made a mockery of the squad selection. Um, <laughs> and I've actually, I've thrown it in the blog there just because it entertained me to no end. Um, so they're clearly recognizing the bias I've had going in there and the piss take. But what can they do about it? I'm the, I'm the manager. Fuck them, right? Well, this brings me on to two tangents. First of all, there was a mention of a certain Thierry Henry handball. Ah, oh, no. Uh, and that, it reminded me that I, I was actually living with... Thierry Henry? <laughs> at the time. Oh, right. No, it wasn't, no. Um, <laughs> I was living with a guy whose dad was Irish, so he, he supported Ireland in football, but England in cricket, because he was from Bristol. Good dog. And I, I had, had the most Bristol accent, so absolutely, like, super broad. So super confusing seeing him waltz around in... Irish and uh, Irish like rugby and football regalia but all I remember the lasting image is him imitating Shea Given and like doing the whole clutching his arm hand thing chasing after the ref um, <laughs> so that's a, that's a, that's a lasting image I have of that event um, and the other bit you mentioned about um, you getting to choose was sort of a question to the group is that does anyone know if there is a nation that still selects by committee, like like England used to years ago? Oh. This is I I don't know, which is why I'm asking. What do you mean I by think. that? I, I don't understand what that so, is. So so pr- prior to I think none of us were born at this point, but England used to much like they do with cricket, they have a selection committee who chooses the squad. Right. Uh, England used to have that. Uh, and so it wouldn't be the manager. Alf, Alf Ramsey was the manager that managed to convince the FA to drop that and allow him to pick the squad that he wanted. Um, but it's uh, it, it was just an interesting thought that that Not comment sure. sparked in my mind is that whether if there are any international jobs in FM that you could take hold of, basically it would be like a director of football challenge, but with a nation versus, yeah. versus anything else. I, d- I don't know if... if if any do still have that, whether it is down to the coach. Uh, it's just a, an interesting thought that it would be a, a, a certainly a different take on international management. That'd be good, that would. You could almost get a Twitch chat to be the committee. You you could. Yeah. That, that, that would, but it was more whether there was actually a, a scenario in-game ready to go. I haven't come across it, and I haven't heard, heard it. about it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know that they like the cricket structure yeah. and... and um, all that jazz, but it's a really interesting way, though. I mean, that would be very much a very difficult. Game. I mean, the expectation it's... levels, and you don't even get to pick who which players will stop. Yeah. So, new save, Mad. Um... <laughs> <laughs> new save. Um, who yeah, this? I've kind of been uh, uh, new save for this. I've been thinking about it this week. Um, I, I, I was actually because I was chatting to a few E lads as well. I was, I was toying with the idea of lower league i definitely think i want to come back to england um for this one because my last kind of two big saves have been france and germany so um i reckon i'll probably come back and do some kind of lower league save in england toying with the idea of a 
of uh, a database that just puts you know allows me to grab a team a little bit lower than what's in the vanilla one um otherwise i might just hit up Don't the panorama maybe um <laughs> i reckon i'll have that decided probably pretty soon um because yeah I'm, i can't wait to get cracking into the next one um i think we're about, ha- we're about halfway through and we? we're about halfway through the fm 21 life cycle so uh definitely plenty of time feels weird though doesn't it? it feels like it's been out, out absolutely ages it's been a long year. I think days. that's what lockdown does for you, right? Uh, Definitely. We've got to wait six months for another that... game. <laughs> no. No future Jeez. games have been announced, Dave. So just, yeah. just sorry, let... folks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so NDAs. Right. Isn't it August? Yeah. August. <laughs> NDAs. What are they, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're an awards ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> just not allowed to tell anyone about if you won or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he still would <laughs> I didn't sign anything anyway so we'll move on to this week's spotlight uh, which is going to be focusing on the striker rock which has greatly evolved over the last 30 years particularly in the Premier League era where we have seen a shift from the old fashioned big and small combos think the likes of Shearer and Sutton Heskey and Owen and Crouch and Defoe the traditional double strike force uh, think York and Cole, Burkamp and Henri and Suarez and Sturridge and more towards modern times where the lone striker has become far more prevalent prevalent even uh, with the likes of Drogba, Aguero, Lukaku and Kane all leading the lines for their prospective clubs and even more recently where some clubs are even able to play without a named striker in their starting eleven as a key part of their tactical approach. Gentlemen, what are your preferred approaches in terms of how you deploy strikers in FM? Lone striker, double trouble or three strikers? Uh, it's not FM 17 so hopefully no one's going to be responding the final answer of that. <laughs> Oh, mate, three strikers, mate. What a system. There were so many hacks with that. Uh, when you said big and small strikers, I thought you were going to t- say Akin Fenwar and Craig Tanner. That was the, that's <laughs> oh, one, my mate. God, what a that. reference. Yeah. Yeah, what a reference. Um, Jan Collar. You've got to pay Tanner a pound now for mentioning his yeah, name. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Sorry. He, he's, I mean, historically, the last couple of years on FM, I've always, I think 4 2 3 1 has just been the one, really. Uh, whether that be. I'd probably say pressing forward or advance forward is is the key man. But uh, this year I've tried um, I've tried a, a, to go back to the two strikers. I've played obviously in the journeyman, playing non-league. I wanted to go quite simple and play a safe four four two, where I've been using an, an advance forward and pressing forward, um, which I've had quite a lot of joy with. I think at those lower levels, though, um, you know, I think I, I should have. It's probably you know now I look back at it, I wish I tried a target man. Maybe a target man next to an advanced forward, only because the amount of crosses that you can get into the areas, and I think if you have got that big that big man in there, um, I've, I'm actually thinking these high like floated crosses are quite uh, powerful on Football Manager, and with a with a quality tall striker in there, I wish I did try that. But the 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 partnership that I'm using well at the moment is a, an advanced forward with a pressing forward, but. My my always my go to if I'm struggling and I'm trying to get a win or, or I'm struggling with a particular tactic, go back to that lone striker system and and play it with an advance forward and I always have a little bit of joy with that. Yeah, I mean, I did it in Napoli. I the I played asymmetric with the two strikers, but I had I had an oppressing forward and an advance. But I, over in the MLS, I'm just dual advance forward. I've just got both of them sat right on the edge of the line. Uh, I got two good playmakers that are just pinging a ball over the top. Just, just playing on the counter, and it suits the style of play. It suits the league, to be honest. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I think nowadays I'd struggle to come away from the uh, the dual advanced. Are you playing that four four two deep? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm doing the one that I played in the streamer showdown, which is a bit it's a bit gnarly. And I showed Matt. It's a bit weird, right? With the two Mazalas That's and the it. two inverted wingbacks. Yeah. Um, it's like the parting of the seas. Yeah, but it is <laughs> like the overload is nuts. So it generates so much space for those strikers and, and the ball in behind. You know, even my, I think my my wingers have higher passing attributes than they do crossing because we ain't crossing shit. We're just yeah. we're just trying to find the ball it, over the top. It makes absolutely no logical sense in in real football context no. at all. Like you would you couldn't play that in real life. Unfortunately, that's I mean tangent, but unfortunately that's that's the way that I've been seeing the game recently. Is that taking it yeah, away yeah. from the real football and it is the game. And as much as you know, these asymmetric systems and I mean the S system that I played at Napoli for a season makes absolutely no sense. And even defensively it doesn't line up perfectly. But yet when it plays in the match engine it does and it just looks good. And this double mess system is disgusting. Honestly, some of the goals, the football that we play is just and those two advanced forwards to bring it back to it is just sat on the end, sat right on the end at, at all times and uh one ball through with the slow Americans, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I'm gonna chip in my mixed emotions about like having two striker setup. Number mainly because number one, whenever a team plays against me with two strikers, fucked. And and I feel like that's been the case for like three three years of FM. I just feel like as soon as I see someone line up with a four four two, one or both of them are gonna score no matter what I do. Um, so I feel a lot confident whenever I just come up against a lone striker. But the flip side of it is, I've never really been able to get much success playing two strikers. So I think this is more on me than on anything else. Um, but I usually, yeah, usually it's the lone striker for me with some kind of some powerful inside forwards um, or inverted wingers that are that are going to cut in. Um, and usually, what I've done in the last two, pretty much the last two versions of FM is, you know, that kind of fast uh, grid off the ball striker that plays on the shoulder. Um, that kind of breaks through, especially when we're on the counter, getting the balls over the top or the through balls. Um, I just love watching that in FM. But eventually, you know, if I'm going to go probably down and start doing lower league management uh, in England, I don't think that's going to work. So we might need to um, might need to start looking at other things. So I'll be interested to hear if I can steal some of your ideas last year. <laughs> One thing I've noticed in particular, now this is it's slightly linked with what we've been saying, is that particularly in in this year's game, you have to be a bit more willing to tweak the roles that you play, with, regardless of whether it's a lone striker or or two strikers, because um, obviously, depending on how the opposition are, are setting up, depends on how your strikers are going to be marked or how you need to get your strikers to perform against an opposition. Like if they're if they're lining up with a single striker formation and have someone sitting at DM, you need to make a decision as to whether you're going to try and mark their defensive player out of the game with your striker and then use the other guy to float around or or whether you're going to try and pressurise the, the back four more and move into the channels and make it more of a problem for them in terms of their marking. And I've certainly found that when I've played, whether it be two or one up top, I've had to tweak it depending on the opposition a lot more than I've noticed previously. Um, you'll go two games with advanced forward working wonders and then you think great we'll go in again and it, you just can't get it to work and as soon as you switch the role against the opposition after you've looked at the analysis at half time 
it just seems to click. You'll change to a pressing forward, for example, to to find like to to work harder and uh, sort of that's your hardworking poacher, I guess. At least that's how I interpret that role. Um, and obviously, maybe you might need to tweak the service as well to them to get the best out of them. Uh, and I think it's a bit of uh, again, like Duke was saying about the whole gamification of it. It feels a bit. It feels a bit less like I'm trying to replicate real football when I'm doing that because you would ask a striker to maybe um, sit on a particular defender and whilst you can do that, it's more about I'm flicking to a different role rather than adjusting anything else. It feels like I'm I'm just pressing a button rather than actually having an impact on football itself, which sometimes it's quite nice to have in Football Manager. I think it's one of those things that kind of ruins that moment of... Um, I can't think of the the phrase that Mr. Jacobson uses frequently. Um, the something of disbelief or something along those lines. But it basically it pulls you out of the the immersion of the game uh, when when you're having to you think oh it doesn't work with this role. But as soon as I switch it to this role, whereas if you were you're going to you know get a, get a striker in at half time and say we need you to do this more than that. Because there are you can you can make those minute changes with some roles, but with with the strikers in particular, you are a lot more limited because there doesn't really exist a role like there is in midfield or a, a foot or like whether it be wide midfielder or central midfielder on support, where you can tweak the roles infinitely and add pretty much every single instruction available. Most of the strikers have so much baked in to a point where you have to basically pick um, the lesser of multiple evils. I find. I think obviously there's there's a few different roles, but I think correct me if I'm wrong here, lads. But I very rarely see. I think the two or three that I very rarely see people use are a deep line forward, a poacher, and a target man. Target man, I just think because in modern day football in general, it's quite rare, very rare that you see that sort of role now. I think that even players nowadays are probably even more. Uh, you could argue technically. You know, strikers, you try and get a bit more technically gifted. Um, DLF as well. I suppose, depending on your system, you could use it. But even poacher, I just don't think you see that on Football Manager. And obviously, listeners as well, correct me if, you know, I'm wrong and you've always used those sort of roles. But in re in recent years, I don't even think I've touched those, especially poacher and target man. I just don't think, I just don't think I touch those. I think in everyone's system... Like I think we we've spoken about it over the last couple of months, talking about like hoofball, like a direct football system. If you're going to use a target man, you're going to use it in a two striker system, I would assume. Um, but I just I don't think I've ever like I said earlier, I'd like to use it, but I don't think I've ever used it recently. The thing that killed the target man role for me was when they removed the ability to specify the supply. Yeah, uh, you used to be able to say whether you were playing it to feet to head mm, or. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I, wonder and got rid of that. I was I would assume because it could be abused, uh, but got because you could you could select Jermaine Defoe for example as a target man, but uh, to run onto ball, so you're basically playing through balls to him, which oh, would right. be perfect yeah, because yeah. of his pace. Um, whereas obviously, if you've got a crouch like creature, um, you're not going to play it to his head, but you might play. You should it to be able feet. to have that for every role anyway, just as a general instruction. Surely you would have thought so. Uh, you, you can still specify to, for crosses to go to the target man, yeah. and then obviously you can choose the height. Yeah. Um, 
but but that's a, very much a limitation um maybe maybe because it's baked in like to the game that it, the target man becomes that magnet for balls going forward but equally yeah. being able to decide how that ball is going to him because you're not going to want to pick someone who's three foot tall and just start pinging balls to his head because it's not <laughs> going to be like an advantage um but i do use the dlf on support role quite frequently in like that's one of the rotation roles i would use either dlf on support or a pressing forward on support for the 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 deeper of two strikers and i would actually use the poacher fairly frequently in the first season in bournemouth yeah um but that was mainly because josh king is an idiot and so <laughs> the, the less thinking he needs to do and it meant that i could exploit his pace and it say so he finished pretty much top goal scorer that season so it worked quite well massively caught out in the uh, in the premier league though so uh, didn't quite work so well there. Let's then move on. So we've got sort of key attributes for each role, but obviously when you uh, when you highlight a player and look at their role, uh, look at the assign one of the the complete forward, pressing forward, target man, etc. Also, you can see there the key attributes and then the the secondary key attributes. Uh, but are there anything in particular that you guys look for that aren't as part of that skill set to get something more out, or at least whether it's placebo or whether it you've actually got like actual proof that it works is there something else that you look for in a striker in their attributes that would make you decide one player over another yeah i'll get to that two seconds can i just make sure can we reference the fact in a bit or go and discuss it whether finishing actually matters as a striker uh, anyway um my the one that i like to look at is, it's a hot debate in my chat once so i just i think it does but anyway um one i, I like to look for brave strikers uh, and again i have no I have no, um, I have logic, but I have no fact to the, whether this works or not. But it, like in my head, if the ball's coming across and there's a keeper coming out and they can get their head on it, if they're braver, they're going to get their head on it or they're going to go in to try and score the goal. Again, there's, I don't know whether that is a thing, but in my eyes, it's something that I would, if I, if I had two very similar players and one was braver than the other, I'm going with the braver guy. Well, people say that about defenders and that's not necessarily, I always look at like, I know we're not talking about defenders, but always for me, if I'm searching for like a defender, it's like heading, tackling, jumping, reach, whatever. But a lot of people in my chat used to say, oh, look at his bravery. He's only got like seven bravery or whatever. But I think that's a very valid point. I think yeah, that's that's probably right. It's not something that I tend to look for. For some reason, I always look, especially currently if I'm using an advanced forward finishing, I always look for dupe. Uh, composure is one that I always tend to look at. If they've got like half-decent composure, I'm I'm pretty confident in front of goal they're going to do okay. And then the pace acceleration as well. Again, I know that doesn't necessarily matter, but if I want someone on the last man, on the on the defenders, I want someone that is going to win that foot race. So they're always sort of the three or four attributes that I just levitate to straight away before even taking a look at things. Um, and then if they've got the bonuses like heading, if I'm going to be crossing the ball, they're going to be winning headers, then great. Uh, dribbling as well so they're good on the ball but the ones I always look at in particular for a forward straightaway finishing composure and and pace really I don't know why they're just the ones that I always sort of sort of levitate to straight away you mentioned composure Dave I I think we kind of all remember the the one-to-one fiasco as we'll call it that have popped up in the last (laughs) year in the last year or so Literal, literal outrage all over Twitter for quite some time. But like genuinely, one-to-ones, uh, you know, I think we all struggled with them at some point. Maybe still do, but definitely in the past. So I became obsessed with two things. One was definitely composure. 
because I was like, okay, if they're getting through on goal, don't fucking bottle it, okay? Yeah. Keep your ca- keep keep it cool, um, and stick the ball in the net. <clears throat> With that, then you know, going into the I suppose the traits, Matt, you kind of mentioned secondary. Um, there's one there, and it's kind of like the most obvious thing in the world, but there's one, and it's like places shots. And it's like, why would you not ever place your shots, especially if you're one on one? Don't just kick it at him. Um, uh, you know, try and put Speak it. Speak to Jason uh, Roberts about that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was like um, placing shots into into the corners or something like that. I can't remember. So so coupling them um, was my way of trying to to tackle the one to one problem, the one on one problems, um, which I think definitely helped a little bit, um, especially last year. I remember seeing some really good results because I was doing a lot of testing on it. There's two player traits now which reference one-on-ones. The first one is to try to go around a goalkeeper when one-on-one. And the second is now try to, is try to lob the goalkeeper while one-on-one. I haven't seen that as a player trait. I don't know. But it's only when I go into the training because I've just had a look. I've got it open now. Um, but you're right. For me, going around the goalkeeper or likes of places shots into corner of the net, I just feel that that is one thing that would alleviate that problem or help alleviate it. It's still frustrating. You still see it. Or when they go all that massive run and then they go to do a dink over the goalkeeper and they can't, he just basically Sergio Aguero is it and he just stands there and catches it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, mate. Cheers. There's, I don't think, I, I don't definitely don't pay enough attention to traits, but every now and then on the pod, maybe like one in six or seven pods, it always gets mentioned that how powerful they can be. I think off the top of my head, Places shots you'd have if they're sort of decent finishing. Is it shoots with power is one still mm-hmm. if they've got lower finishing maybe. Um, and rounds keeper, I'd assume if you, they're all right on the ball as well, like a decent pace and that. I always think if they, you know, whenever players do that, they and good dribbling or good composure, I'd assume they're always going to score. Even if in the match engine they don't, it's very rare they run up to the keeper actually round him. Sometimes they just take a big touch around him, like as in across him, don't they? To basically give himself a much better angle. I think um, I see that a lot and that tends to be with those those uh, quicker strikers. I think someone that I've had a lot of joy with in front of goal uh, in my first sort of season and a half with Sporting is Thiago Thomas, who's only young. Technically, he's not unbelievable, but he's so quick. And I think that's one of the things he just seems to create himself that angle so much. Um, but that is definitely, now I'm saying it again, I think I probably say it every time we talk about traits, I'm definitely going to be working on looking at those a lot more. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I've probably said it three times during the podcast, but I'm definitely going to do that now. You're going to do it then, yeah? Yeah. I'll make sure. Definitely. In, in seven podcast time, he's going to go, yeah. oh, we've mentioned traits again. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> in seven, yeah. we're going to do a save update from Dave's Portugal save. He's like, for some reason, everyone's trying to do overhead kicks. I know yeah, I've tried yeah. to ask them to do that trait, but why is everyone trying overhead kicks? <laughs> It'll be fine, Dave. Our Hall of Fame podcast yesterday. We had a couple of people saying goals in. Someone sent me a, a bicycle kick as well after that Mad. one. I should, I should have posted nice. it, but nice. yeah, definitely. That that might be one. Does try his overhead kicks. Is that even a trait? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Temp oh. overhead kick whenever possible, where, where the situation may arise, I think it is. Oh, that's definitely an experiment for next year, that is. There you go. I've said that. That's, that's definitely not being happen- That's definitely not being recorded or happening, so don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> my uh my the key attribute for me and I, I know some of the striker roles do have it included anyway is teamwork particularly if i'm playing two men up top because they're more likely to to link play which is kind of what you want them to do um and also i think it kind of helps if 
like the whole uh i think it's one of your favorites Stoop. the whole pass instead of scoring trait which I and think assist, bonus. Yeah. Oh, assist bonus assist bonus <laughs> yeah um we actually saw uh, i've seen loads of them you know recently yeah so loads of them it's so bad. two things in the mls save this week one we had a we literally he had an open net but he was at a little bit of a tighter angle and he passed it across and Mayboy scored. We also had a goal that was ruled out for offside and VAR overturned it. Ooh, I know, how exciting. I have never, to mention that on a Football Manager yeah, podcast. I've had it once. I only Live, had it in cup competitions. I've only uh, had it once and it was a... No, that was in the league. It was in the MLS league. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, we paused for about an hour because I was so shocked to see it. But yeah, it's actually a thing. Well, we're going to round this brief discussion off with one final question. Uh, who is your ideal striker? Which can be a, an in real life example, um, or you using that, and then maybe maybe even link it to your favourite role potentially, because obviously you'll go for Haaland. Uh, <laughs> my favourite yeah. attacker would be Harry Maguire in a Greek island. To be honest, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Um, I would be if I'd be silly to say anything but Gary Lineker. Uh, recently, right? Uh, the but, um, no, IRL. Um, I think as a Manchester United fan, I'd love to see Harry Kane. So he would be my ideal striker right now. I think for me, you know, I talked a little bit about that um, playing off the shoulder kind of. Uh, I mean, it's a mix of advanced forward poacher. Also, that instinct. Um, I have to say, it, Robbie Keane was when, like when he was at his at his peak like the intelligence and the movement and just being in the right place. Like he, he was never like f- uh, prolific, even in the Premier League, I suppose. Um, but like such a threat um, to have up there because he, he could kind of just do pretty much everything, I, I would say. He, w- he wouldn't score shots from 40 yards, but, you know, movement, um, physicality, and finishing technique, all of that. Um, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to have Robbie Keane back for Ireland for sure because we're kind of lacking in that department. I enjoyed joining his boyhood club again. Eight or eight of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I miss his celebration. Yeah. yeah, you don't get them like that anymore, do you? At least we get to see it in FM still, though, right? <laughs> Literally, must have got him on the morph suit doing them for the Royalties. for the match Royalties. engine. Um, I don't know. With the with the attributes I describe, it'd probably be someone like a prime, whenever that was, Jamie Vardy, really, for me. like, so, like that, That's the sort of advanced forward I always look for. Someone to get on the last man, quick, fairly composed. For some reason, whenever I, I watch Leicester in real life, he misses an absolute sitter. We're fairly 2016 composed. 2016 Vardy, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> like, Get that ball to him, beat that last man and put it in the back of the net. So I think someone like that, I mean, I could have definitely thought of a more high, I suppose he's pretty high profile, but like, you know, a world-class striker, I suppose. But yeah, someone like that. And, and again, quick tangent, but I've signed uh, that Ricky Jade Jones for on my journeyman save. Oh my God. Pace, get him on the last man. He could be my, if we spoke about this in three or four weeks time, that would have been my answer straight away, I think. As we're, as we're inadvertently plugging our saves. Um, I want to talk about Arezo. Uh, uh, Mateus Arezo uh, in the MLS. He is disgusting. Young Uruguayan. Uh, I think I picked him up for a million at the start. And um, the boy doesn't miss. Honestly, doesn't miss. Um, he's dead I nearly shot. signed him at Bournemouth. Mm. I, did, I nearly signed He was worth... Like, this was probably three seasons in, though, and because he'd not played, 
he hadn't developed and I was really close to signing. Well, yeah, we, we bought him second or third week and we just played him. But the best bit, the, the whole thing that makes me so happy is that Curtis signed him twice and never got anything out of him. So it clearly shows I'm just a better manager than Curtis. Curtis gets anything out of anyone, does he? Um, there's a joke there, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's not as fun when he's not here to shake his head at me. He's shaking something if because he, he's not here when he's meant to be. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we will move on to our our quiz. It's time for the quiz. Right, so we do have a quiz. Um, it is unfortunately from me and not Kurt. I want Curtie back as much as as much as you do, lads. Seriously. You oh, to be honest, mate, I don't want him back, so it's fine. <laughs> Twice in a row. It's a tough week for Curtie. Um, so yeah, unfortunately I'm here in his shoes, uh, again, but, um, so look, we have another theme of this week's quiz. Um, so I suppose lately, you know, there's been a lot of debate and conversation about club icons who've returned to their clubs that they played with to manage their former sides. Um, so that's the theme of today's quiz. Um, we've seen mixed success across it. Um, so we're kind of looking at legends to managers. I'll be asking you to guess the icon who's turned into a manager of the same club that they were a playing icon for um i'm gonna for each, i suppose for each one there's gonna be three clues so i'll read the clues one by one if you can buzz in at any time so i'll read the first clue uh, if you buzz in and get it right that's three points if none of you get it i'll give you the second clue and if you guess it then it's worth two points and so Go on ahead. if you third clue one point um you so wrote down that this quiz will be 15 minutes, minutes. <laughs> we're gonna be here for about four hours no it won't this is it's, it's not it's not that hard it's not that hard well i mean it depends how smart you are guys not my fault if you don't get the answers really you know um cool so we'll crack into it if you guess incorrectly after buzzing in you're out until the next clue is given um and you can come back in then if the next clue comes yeah in. man excellent so ready to go dave is alert lads dave is awake tonight i'm, I'm ready so our first legend has played for both Milan clubs, but he hasn't managed either of them. So he is a legend who has gone on to manage the club at which he was a legend. But Doop. incidentally, Dupe. Perlo? No, that's wrong. Andrea Perlo that's is wrong. correct. Three oh, is points. It? Did he play for Inter? Correct answer. Yeah, early doors on it. Wow. Okay. The minute I said that, I went, oh, I don't remember him at Inter. So that's wow. three points in the bag for Dupes. The second clue would have been he won the World Cup as a player in 2006. And the final one was that he won 116 caps for Italy. Player and manager, of course, of Juventus for the time being. Uh, <laughs> cool. We'll go on to the next clue, the next legend and the next clue. So this legend turned manager is a former World Cup winner. And has won more league and Champions League titles as a manager than he did as a player Doop. for the for the current club. Dupe. Zidane. Lads, he's on fire tonight. <gasps> oh. Zinedine Zidane is the correct answer. That's another three points for Dupe. Wow. You sent him the answers before we started. <laughs> he's done it again. How does he keep getting into my Google Sheets? <laughs> <laughs> it's not your Google Sheets, it's your history. You should be worried yeah. about Pat. Well, it's, it's more than that I should be worried about. You, do, you've, definitely had, you, you've definitely had your nap today, didn't you? There's, there's I've a, had a nap today, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. We can tell. Cool. Yeah. So, legend, turn manager number three. So this one was voted Premier League Player of the Season in the 2011-2012 campaign. 
Dave. Dave. Frank Lampard. Incorrect. Oh. So it's voted Premier League Player of the Season in the 2011-2012 season. Dupe. Dupe. Scott Parker. Incorrect. Fancy go, Matt? I'm going to go for Arteta. Arteta is also incorrect. Oh, okay. Interesting. So we're going to go on to the next clue. So this same legend turn manager was a four-time Premier League winning captain. Club manager. Dave. 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 It's not Giggs, is it? Incorrect. That's why I said club manager. For for Giggs to qualify, he would have had to play and manage, play for and manage Man United, but he's also managed Man United. He has. He has. He had, a, he had it as Sorry, a caretaker I slot. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to say like Wales legend or something like that, oh, but he probably isn't, to be fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was saying. In, incorrect either way. <laughs> so There's also was, a joke there that I'm not going to make. But, no, no need to <clears throat> Harry Maguire has already had it from you tonight, dude. We don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> so Premier League season in 2011-2012. Four-time Premier League winning captain for the same. For that club? That he oh, I forgot who he is. So these are clues about the player. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, he's, he's managed that club. Just, just, throwing it, just throwing it in there. I know, I know it is. Anyone want to guess? Are we going to the next clue? Just go for three. So next clue. So he initially started as player manager at Dave. his current club. Dave. Vincent Company. Vincent Company. Yeah. Correct answer. I knew it as soon as that. Legend of Anderlecht, oh, and is yeah. currently managing them in a full-time capacity. Oh, technicality. Technicality. Next, next one. Captained his club for 14 years, before later returning as manager, seven years later. Dave. Dave. Frank Lampard. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's going oh, to get Terry, Lampard yeah, for yeah. every single... Are you oh. going to guess him for everyone? Oh, yeah. You want the next clue? Yeah. Yeah. Next clue. He won six league titles as a player and three as a manager, all for the same club. So he's won six league titles as a player. Have you mentioned which league this is? No, you haven't, have you? I have you? not, no. no. Can't make it too easy, do So he was captain for this club for 14 years. Seven years later, he returned as manager. He won six league titles as a player for that club and won three as manager. Dave. Dave. This is a complete guess. Laurent Blanc. Incorrect. <laughs> Want the final clue? Yeah. Final clue. He has won three league titles for each of the three clubs he has managed. Oh, nerd. Nerd. Ancelotti? Incorrect. So his, his last three clubs, he's managed three clubs and he's won three league titles at each club. Oh. 
I heard dupe. Pep? Pepped is the right answer for yeah. a point. Well done, dupe. Fucking hell. That was a tough was, one. I couldn't make that too easy now, seeing as it was Pep, the man himself, you know? I mean, if you Old want to talk fraud, about it, you should have just yeah. said. <laughs> Next question. So this legend turned manager won three league titles and a Champions League as a player, but has never won a trophy as a manager. Dupe. Dupe. Oligon Associa. Incorrect. Oh. Won three league titles and a Champions League as a player, Dave. but has never... Dave. Frank, Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you went Dave, I went, of course it is. If he didn't get it. Stop crying. <laughs> Well done, Dave. Next question. This legend turned manager scored six minutes into his debut in 1996 and finished as his club's top scorer in his first season with 18 goals. Dupe. Dupe. Oligon Associate. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is the uh. I know it is. I, oh, I remember. Yeah, okay. Lovely, lovely. Next question. Dupe is on. Is, is, he's doing well here now. He's got a couple of threes there. Next one. This legend turned manager was born in Switzerland, but earned 34 caps for Italy from 1994 to 1998. One for Matt. <laughs> I was, I was born in Switzerland but earned 34 caps for Italy from 1994 to 1994. I love the way you say Switzerland. Switzerland. Another clue? Mm-hmm. Yep. Started his managerial career at MK Dons. Dave. Dave. Roberto Di Matteo. Roberto Di Matteo is correct. Well done. Obviously went on to manage Chelsea to a Champions League final. <laughs> the final clue for that was he was the only caretaker manager to actually win a Champions League. Yeah, that was mad, that was. Mad, isn't it? Three to go. Look at him now. So, next question. This legend turned manager started his managerial career as the under-23 manager before leaving the country of that club to manage Roma for a year. Returning then to manage the senior team two years later. So he started as the under-23 manager at the club, which he was a legend. He left the country to go manage Roma for a year and then came back to manage the senior team two years later. And he's a player and a manager of said club. Nerd. Nerd. Montella? Incorrect. So he went to Roma for a year and he left the country that he was a legend in to manage Roma and then he came back to manage the senior team. Want another clue? Yeah. Yeah. So this clue is not going to help you at all but I had to put it in there because it's an outrageous piece of trivia. Amazing. This legend turned manager ran the New York Marathon in 2005, the Amsterdam Marathon in 2006, the Firenze (laughs) Marathon in 2007, the Marathon de Sabla in 2008, oh, which is a six-day marathon, 250 kilometers. And he withdrew from the Klagenfurt Ironman competition in 2008 in order to take the role that he started as a man. 
I knew it was, it was until you said the Iron Man one. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, come on, who is it? So I'll give you the final clue. Yeah. Moved from Real Madrid to Barcelona on a free transfer in 1996. Dupe. Dupe. <sighs> What's it? Uh, Luis Enrique. Luis Enrique is the correct answer. Yeah. Uh, that was a point for Dupe. I had to throw in that, lads. That guy has run like six marathons in between oh, being a player and a manager. It took you longer to read it out. It did, but I mean, <laughs> it, one, of the, one of those marathons is six days long and it's 250 kilometers. The guy is a beast. Mm. Um, cool. Two more to go. Oh, I thought that was it. <laughs> so, Dupe celebrating. This legend turned manager is the all time scorer for the club. Sorry, all time scorer of the club for the, Dave. Thierry Henry. Incorrect. I got the wrong. Ignore me. So, Dupe. this Dupe. Alan Shearer. He's Damn. got it again, lads. Alan uh, Shearer. Correct answer for three points. I got mine the wrong You one. don't see anything like this before. The club. Matt, you should have got that one, mate. That's your manager, Matt. He's not. I mean, I didn't know if I didn't realise that caretaker managers qualified. It wasn't oh, that point. Yeah. Di Matteo's on. Roberto there. Di Matteo clarified yeah. that for you by himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really yeah, legends. They've managed each other, and he scores a lot of goals. So there you go. Indeed. Um, nice second clue would have been he relegated the same. He relegated the same club as manager <clears> and won the Premier League in 1995 as a player for Blackburn. Matt, you remember that well. Right, the final, no. final legend turn manager. Played his first full season in a top division for Rangers in 1997-1998 season. You said top division. <laughs> <laughs> we like to apologise to all the Scottish, Scottish listeners. listeners. are going to be raging. Yeah. Uh, we don't it. Tweet doop. Tweet doop now if you didn't like that comment. <laughs> Chief. So he played his first full season as a player in a top division for Rangers in 1997-1998. Not a Scooby. I'll give you the next clue. Yeah. yeah. As a player, he won two Champions Leagues, two league titles, and one World Cup in 2006. Nerd. No, oh. I know he is. Got to push you, Matt. I'm going to go for Arteta again. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Incorrect. Dave. Dave. Gattuso. Gennaro Gattuso, indeed, is the correct answer. for two. Points. Arteta did play for Rangers, though, right? He did. Arteta yeah. did play for Rangers. Yeah. Um, hasn't managed them, though. And didn't win a World Cup, either. No, but he didn't have to, because he's a legend at Arsenal, though, right? <laughs> But, I mean, come on, make, yeah, make your rules up and stick to them. <laughs> he must have been there for at least one season, was he? <laughs> right, that's us done, gentlemen. God for that. Um, Good quiz, Matt. Congratulations here. <laughs> Cheers. You say Matt or Matt, either way it was good. Both. Um, so in second place, we had Dave on two, four, five, six points. And out in his own in front, winning the quiz, was FM Dupe with... Uh, 14 points. What? I can't even count that. Tally there now. A lot of threes. So well done, Duke. GG's. Cheers, man. Good guessing. That's all it is, man. That was pretty unanimous, I think, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So what happens when we record the pod late? My brain decides not to function anymore. Not nine, really. The 90s area of the brain stops working, yeah. <laughs> yeah, turns off. <laughs> 97, 98, I just started scrambling. If, if, it, was, if it was English football, it would have been fine because I was just sort of cataloguing stickers from the book, from, <laughs> from manuals. But then I was having to think about, all I could think of is John McGinn's face. And that didn't really help. Or, or Patalainen. But Patalainen. Yeah. That that was all that was coming out there. I just had to bring some some form of credence back to my nineties knowledge. Anyway, uh, that brings episode one hundred and ninety four to a close. We were definitely proven wrong last week with a number of you randomly tweeting us with the word Steve. I wonder why that was. <laughs> <laughs> if you are still listening again, tweet us with We Are Always Listening Joe because he needs to know. Her Five Star Potential is available on iTunes, Spotify, and most of the popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week. Thank you all for listening. There'll be more from us next week. Say goodbye, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye, folks.